You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Tommy's calling in from Florida today. Aaron's here. I'm here. And as is typically um, the case with this podcast, you know, news in sports starts to trickle out, you know, sometime after about 10 a.m. And this morning, already since the radio show ended, Tommy, Matt Rule's been, uh, is going to take the Carolina head coaching job. Um, So the Baylor coach, who is really an exceptional football coach and did a great job at Baylor this year um, is going to be the new head coach of Carolina, which you pretty much knew that Tepper, the new owner, was going to go with somebody young, somebody innovative, somebody analytics, you know, driven, that whole thing. But here's the best tweet I've seen all morning long. Ian Rappaport, just moments ago, tweeted the following. Are you ready for this one? The, yes, Giant, am, the Giants have requested permission to speak with former Cowboys coach Jason Garrett. He's still under contract in Dallas until January 14th, so permission was required. They can't be interviewing Jason Garrett for the head coaching position, can they? They can't do that. I mean, that's a fan base that, that would just revolt. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're that, revolting that, right that, now in the news. Yeah, that is just unbelievable. You can't, you can't do that. And you'd have to have a serious, you'd have to have a, a what, what you call some kind of psychiatric exam uh, for an owner who would do something like that. Uh, totally oblivious to what, what the narrative is about Jason Garrett. That, look, the Giants got, seem to have gotten shut out uh, in this whole coaching process. I mean, they were interested in Ron Rivera a little bit, and the Redskins, to Dan Snyder's credit, moved quickly yeah, on Yeah, they Rivera. beat him to the punch. Gettleman, yeah, and, and Gettleman I, admitted that. And the same thing happened with the Baylor coach. They were interested in the Baylor coach, and they got beat. Now, I saw Joe Banner tweeted they might not have gotten them anyway, but they, didn't even, but, but they weren't the first in line. Carolina was there waiting for him, I guess, when he got back from vacation or flew the vacation wherever he was, whatever Carolina did, they jumped in the front of the line to make sure they got his name on the dotted line. How does Jason Garrett satisfy the Rooney Rule requirements? <laughs> I mean, red hair? <laughs> I mean, seriously, there's no possible way they're hiring Jason Garrett. Although, you no. know, I'm looking up Jason Garrett because I wanted to, to see where he played. I know he's always coached in Dallas. Um Actually, he coached for uh, two years in Miami as the quarterback's coach. I didn't realize that. But, you know, he played for the Giants from 2000 to 2003. He actually played. It was on their roster, and he backed up Kerry Collins in New York in the early 2000s, which means he would have been on that team that went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Ravens. I didn't realize that. That's right. Um, You know, if you're the Giants, you have to hire somebody – that nobody knows about, so they can't hate them. Yeah, like you know, like drafting Daniel Jones. Um, you know, yeah, somebody, somebody like I mean, look, I think Marvin Lewis is a good football coach, but I don't think the Giants can hire him either. I think I think the fans would go nuts. Do you know um, J- Jason Garrett apparently uh, spoke at an owner's meeting last spring, I think it was. I was reading about this over the weekend before it became official that he was gone in Dallas and apparently wowed the audience, which was owners. And I, I was, I, I can't remember where I read this, Tommy, but basically it was a paragraph that said, Jason Garrett is an impressive person. He spoke at the owners' meetings last spring, and everybody walked out of that room incredibly impressed with Jason Garrett. Clearly, Jared didn't want to move on from him. He loves Jason Garrett. And maybe even in those three or four years of him playing when the Maras owned the team, and they still own the team, in the early 2000s, along with their you know recent impressions of him, maybe they're just really impressed with Jason Garrett the person. Oh, they can't, they can't hire him. No, you can't hire him. Again, you just, you just can't do it. That, I mean, the, the, the backlash would just be too severe. Uh, so, and, and this is the New York Giants we're talking about. I mean, arguably, the Giants shouldn't have to settle for anybody when it comes to coaching. I agree with that. Although Gettleman might be, um, 
You know, he might be a roadblock. I, but I don't know why he would be. You know, I, I think he's probably gotten. It's probably a, a narrative that people in football don't necessarily buy. The one that media and fans may be buying about him. Do you know who really liked Daniel Jones? Really liked Daniel Jones, and they would have considered trading up if they had to end a first round um, to to uh, to get him. Uh, Bill Belichick loved Daniel Jones. The Patriots absolutely thought Daniel Jones would be a good pick as the quarterback to eventually replace Brady. So, I, and we've we've seen nothing to indicate that that that's not the case so far. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones looks the part. I mean, he, you know, he had some yeah. terrible games, but he he certainly looks like he's not. You know, I, I sort of feel like he, uh, about him the way I feel about Dwayne now, and that is, I think the bus potential's low. You know, yeah. and, and the bus potential on most first-round picks is pretty high, actually, if you, you think about it over the years. But how about the Cowboys, though, hiring Mike McCarthy to basically be the new puppet coach for Jerry Jones? You know, Tommy, I know our situation, my situation anyways, a Redskin fan, is not any better than the Cowboys. It's actually been worse than the Dallas situation over the years. The Cowboys have you know, to their credit, a lot of regular seasons that have been really good. But Yes, they have. You know, but Mike McCarthy, that's the move? Like, McCarthy, I guess, you know, and I read a bunch about him last night, isn't going to raise any sort of stink over Jerry's involvement. You know, he just wants to coach ball and isn't going to care about Jerry being involved in personnel. It isn't going to be worried about Jerry doing, you know, his own presser after each game. Um, and I guess maybe, you know, if you're a Cowboy fan, you're like, it can't be any worse than it was, but McCarthy's not like, I thought they would turn to something really exciting. I thought Lincoln Riley or Urban Meyer or something really exciting for, for Cowboy fans, but man, Mike McCarthy, uh, have at it. It might work out. Maybe I, I don't see it. Well, maybe Mike McCarthy is, well, one thing, maybe look, how old is Jerry? How old is Jerry? He's in mid to late seventies, right? I mean, you know, maybe Mike McCarthy is sitting there thinking, well, the old man can't last forever, you know? He looks pretty good. I know he does. I know he does. But, uh, and look, it's, He's again, 77. it's a Cowboys. Okay, that's what I thought. He was 77. And uh, maybe McCarthy's thinking, hey, you know, I mean, you know, two, three years, he'll be 80. You know, I mean, look how long Jason Garrett lasted there. Without without any real postseason success, I can wait. I can wait the old man out. Yeah, you know, I, as as you were talking, I was also also thinking about this, and it's something that I thought about this morning. You know, cowboy and redskin fans. You know, the the two are really kindred spirits in so many ways because both fan bases have basically been victims. You know, of bad ownership for yes. for twenty yes. plus years. You know, Jerry, I know he's a Hall of Famer, you know, Hall of Fame coach, a Hall of Fame owner, excuse me. He's done a hell of a lot for the league from a business standpoint. That's all yeah, well and good. Has. Everybody will admit that. But his franchise has won three playoff games in the last 23 years. Three. That's it. I know. The Redskins know. have won two in the last 21 years. That's not good either. But, you know, it's not like there's – you're talking about two, you know, elite and proud franchises from yesteryear that, that both of them have been brought to their collective knees over the last two decades by two owners who have not been able to figure it out. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, absolutely. You're two franchises – that in, in the 70s and 80s were, were considered a gold standard in the NFC. Yeah. And not anymore. No, not anymore. Um, so we'll see. Mike McCarthy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Um, you're, you're mid- you know, the, we, don't, we only have one bad day. We've had great weather, as you know, warm weather. It's going to be in the 60s this coming weekend. But today is a step-back day. We're supposed to get snow right in time for rush hour in this city, which, which, which should be lovely, I'm sure. And I'm going out to the Maryland game tonight. You know I hate 7 o'clock starts trying to get there. But Scott's coming into town, so I'm going to go to the game with him. But I'm going to probably leave here at like 3 o'clock. Because if I don't, I don't blame you. if I don't, I probably won't get there for the game. If it's really snowing as hard as they say it's going to snow this afternoon, but I'm doing fine. Well, I'm doing fine. The weather here, the weather here, is is postcard weather. <laughs> Sixty five and sunny every day. Last night I watched the sunset. 
from Pompano Joe's Bar right on the beach. Oh. Uh, drinking a Destin Ale, smoking oh. a cigar. It, it's just been, the weather here has just been fabulous. So this has been a great trip, and I, I really say to myself every day, why would I go back? You know what, Tommy? <laughs> Seriously, why would you? I, I don't, I mean, you have the ability to do what you want to do. You can write from well, anywhere. The only, the, so the only thing is, I mean, the radio show is important to me. Oh, right. And I, could, I couldn't do the radio show from there. And you can only stay away so long. Well, you, you, know? might you, be, only... you might be able to do the radio show from there. No, I, I don't think so. And plus, okay. it's not a good radio show. If, if, you know, I just don't think it is as good a radio show right. if you're not together. Usually, that's so... the, usually I think you and I were definitely that, an example of that. Cooley, yeah. if I had been in the same studio with him, he was never going to look at me anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, you and I had this thing where I always felt like we were better when we were in the same studio than apart, but I know a lot of radio shows where it really doesn't matter. Oh, at all. I know. I know. But, uh, but I'll be back. In fact, I'll be back in time to broadcast live from NASFest on 106.7 The Fan Saturday and Sunday morning. So... Just giving you a heads up on that. Uh, that's very good. I, 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 I'm jealous because just the way you painted that picture, being sitting outside, 65 degrees, sunset, beer in hand, hanging out, that just, that's vacation, <laughs> brother. That is it's vacation. Really, um, and I'm on the Gulf, so it's a really Oh, it's a beautiful sunset. sunset. Yeah. It, it's setting over the water. Right. So uh, that's pretty cool. Great. Um, couple things to get to. First of all, I mean, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think we do need to acknowledge uh, the Washington Wizards, who last night beat the Boston Celtics. And it is now, in the last week, they own three wins over three of the top five or six teams in the league. You know, they beat Miami last week, blew out the Heat last week. The Heat are 26-10. and 10. They beat Denver the other night, uh, they blew Denver out. Uh, Denver's the number two team in the West right now at 25-11. and 11. And then last night at home, they beat Boston, the, the second-best team in the East. Um, and, you know, Boston's been on a roll, too. It's not like Boston had won like eight of nine coming in. And the Wizards beat them 99-94. In fact, it's the first time they've held somebody under 100 since, like, game number four of the year. And, Tommy, they had nobody playing for them last night. Beal was I out. Know. Hachimura was out. Bryant was out. Wagner was out. Bertans was out. They're, and they were playing, you know, Mahinmi and Isaiah Thomas and Peyton and McCray and Bonga and all these guys. Ish Smith is my man. I love him. And let me just give you a heads up. He's a great guest. Great guest. On a radio show, I had him on month month and a half ago. Really smart, engaging, um, and he's a good player. I've always been a fan of him. Going back to Wake Forest, he had twenty seven last night. Had thirty two on Saturday night. I, I remember at the beginning of this season, after like three or four games, I said, "You know, they're actually better than they even think they they are." Well, I wasn't talking about this roster, the one they're playing with now. It's crazy that they've won three games over three really good teams in a week. I, and that's fun. That's enjoyable. Uh, but what does it mean for the long-term growth? I don't know. Uh, 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 you see, probably most, nothing. A lot of these players aren't going to be. Of here. course, of course, they're in and, a modified I mean, you know, tanking situation. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you've got a coach that I don't believe is the guy to move them to the next step. Uh, so it's it's enjoyable to have these moments. If you're a Wizards fan, God bless them for delivering these moments. Every now and then, it what otherwise will be a thirty-win season, probably. Uh, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't translate. It's not. You're saying, "Oh, we're seeing the beginning of something that's going to be good." Most of these guys you talked about are not going to be here, and I don't think the coach will be here either when they make that move. No, but um, Tommy Shepard has an opportunity um, with a couple of these guys, uh, certainly um, Davis Bertans in particular, to. Leverage some of the play yes. um, into picks. Yes, you know, I think Bertans could bring back a first before the trade deadline. But anyway, that's enough on them. Um, so, a couple things we need to get to here. Uh, I'm going to get to a Redskins okay, thing. I, go ahead. I got one thing I wanted to get to a Redskins thing. Okay. You can go ahead. No, go ahead. You start. Okay. Here's what I don't get there, there's a narrative out there right now, particularly with the Redskins firing Larry Hess, hiring a new trainer and now bringing in a new medical consultant 
that this is all part of the campaign to get Trent Williams back into the building. My question to you is, why would you want Trent Williams back in the building? I mean, if you're building something new here, I mean, has the, has the, has the move for Trent Williams changed in the past year? Isn't the move to trade him? Yeah, it is. It, it's funny because I would have traded him a year ago, as you know. Um, yes. I would have traded yes. him during the summer, uh, early in the season, before the trade deadline, etc. But I'm sort of in this mode right now. I think I, I still think it would make sense to trade him. You know, um, I do. But I'm sort of in this mode of, and I'll, I'll just dovetail off of what you were talking about to get to this, because I've talked about this a little bit on the show um, over the last couple of shows, I think. And, and I'm going to read you this tweet that I got from Greg last night. Kevin, why are you okay with the Carolina North movement? You know, referring to Ron Rivera hiring everybody he worked with, uh, worked with and, and for in Carolina. And then he, of course, proceeded to tell me about Ron Rivera's six losing regular seasons in nine years, and the Panthers haven't won a playoff game in four years, yada, yada, yada. And he ended the tweet with, just doesn't seem like a great idea to me. Why does it to you? And I have sort of answered this before, but maybe not with you on the show. I'm not, as a fan, I, I wasn't looking for a great idea. I don't think they're capable of great ideas. And when they've had, I'm looking for a new idea. I think all of us just wanted something new. You know, asking for great is a big ask with this owner. Now, when they've had good ideas in the past, they've pretty much messed those up. You know, Marty was a really good idea. Messed it up. Gibbs was a really good idea. Should have been much better, but... Dan and Vinny were still involved, so they messed it up. Shanahan was a solid idea, but he brought Bruce in simultaneously. And, you know, I said this morning, it's like Dan and Bruce together were like, you know, a, a, a couple of monkeys with bottle rockets in a room full of talented <laughs> adults. You know, it's like, think about this weekend coming up. Kyle Shanahan versus Kirk Cousins and Matt LaFleur in the other NFC game versus Seattle. And the defending NFC champion is coached by Sean McVay. Like, you think about Redskins Park six years ago. That building was filled with future playoff coaches, a playoff quarterback, and all the while... You know, Dan and Bruce are smoking cigars, drinking Coors Lights, playing putt-putt in Bruce's office, and plotting to get rid of the Shanahan's, and and, and putting yeah. R- and plotting to put RG three back into the starting lineup with Jay Gruden as the new coach, a coach that Bruce knew very well and knew he could control. On the scale of ideas, Tommy, that wasn't one of their best. So it's like <laughs> I'm not looking for great. I'm looking for something new. New doesn't mean better. It just means new. Like the old was bad, all-time bad here recently. The new at least includes a very good coach who probably would have been better off going somewhere else. Okay, You and I would both agree on that. That's true. But he is here, very likely because Joe Joe Gibbs told him it could work. And I don't care how much of the Panther organization he brings with him. The more new faces, the better. The old faces never won anything and certainly didn't make me think that they were irreplaceable. Like, I've been very entertained, and I don't know if you've been the same, about the hand-wringing and the angst over, oh, my God, Eric Schaefer. you got to keep Eric Schaefer. Oh, you gotta, my God. I mean, oh. my, God, and oh, I, I, some, my God. I mean, some of it's coming from people we know, and I'm like, are you effing serious? You don't know I'm anything about Eric Schaefer. And it, what's, re- 100%. what's really entertaining about this is it's like, you had a quarterback here, and you're okay that he's gone, but you got to keep Eric Schaefer. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? It's just it's so it's so insane. But you know, this is sort of what the organization's turned a lot of us into over the years. Is that we're you know we're we're bipolar. We are ADHD. We don't know if we're coming or we're going on on, on any of this. But my point is this: I absolutely don't care, and I'm all for changes 
Carolina move north. We want Trent Williams back. If that's what Ron wants, and Ron's allowed to get what he gets, to me, if he gets what he wants, that will be the first indication that maybe things are starting to change. Now, obviously, the owner might want Trent back as well. But I don't care what Ron Rivera does. I'm all in on Ron Rivera because it's the best and latest of the new ideas. That's where I am right now. Do you know how desperate that is? I do, I mean, I, I agree I, with I'm you. very aware but, of but how desperate it is. But, but it's, it's like... It's like being punished by somebody who hits you over the head with a hammer for 20 years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they decide to change tools to torture you by. <laughs> and you say, well, you're not using the hammer anymore. How bad can right. it be? You've got me hooked up to some sort of electrical outlet, but you know what? It'll, it's better than the hammer. It's true. You know, I mean, listen, listen, their coaching staff was so bad. Uh, it reduced so bad this year that anything is an improvement. So I don't have a big issue with the Carolina North movement because, I mean, they would be hard-pressed to be worse than yeah. the coaches who were in the building. And Eric Schaefer, Eric Schaefer is a, is a Redskins Pravda media creation. No doubt. Gotta, I mean, oh, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, if you I, – I mean, I remember I said to somebody – I didn't know you agreed was, with me if, on this. If if I was interviewing somebody, Eric Schaefer, and he had on his resume that he worked for the Redskins and Dan Snyder for 17 years, <laughs> I'd look at him and I'd say, "What is wrong with you?" Exactly. What exactly. Did, what did you have? What did you have to do to work for Dan Snyder for 17 years? Tommy, it's a hundred percent right, and you know, <laughs> I do know Eric. Is a bright guy. He's a lawyer. He's a contract guy, cap guy. I mean, come on, people. I mean, are you serious? You don't think in this day and age there are a dozen guys that could come in and do Eric <laughs> Schaefer's job? Like, I mean, has he really contributed to to all of these? Lo- I I wouldn't blame him for all these losses, but I'm certainly not going to think that we can't win without him after after 18 years. But to your point, you know, all of these people, other than the people that Mike brought in. Okay, other than the coaches that Mike brought in, and by the way, some of the front office people that Marty brought in. Other than the two, you know, in, in, in Joe, uh, Greg Williams, some of his coaches are still coaching. But tell me one person that's been aggressively sought after by other quality organizations. I've never read, and I could be wrong, that Eric Schaefer's been aggressively pursued by teams to be their general manager or team president. You know, He's been in Washington for 17 or 18 years. It could certainly be that he just wanted to live here, that he likes living here, his family's from here. And I know that Eric is a smart guy and a capable guy and a respected guy. Like, I'm not, I'm not killing Schaefer. I'm killing the people that think you can't win without Schaefer. Like, you don't even know who Eric Schaefer is. You couldn't pick him out of a police lineup. And it's only, it's so typical with this fan base. They know who Tony Wiley is. They know who Eric Schaefer Nobody in a real organization knows who these people are. And so I just don't get it. Like, uh, the new idea uh, of the, the the latest new idea is Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera having control. Let's roll with it. I'm happy that it's him because I think he's a quality head coach. I do. And if maybe Dan steps back uh, and lets him do his thing for a little while, maybe it'll work out. Like, but you know, you said um, beaten down for so long. I actually admitted the following thing on this podcast either yesterday or on Friday and maybe on the, on the radio show as well uh, yesterday or today, I can't remember, that I am actually looking forward to Ron Rivera maybe having sort of the same run that Joe Gibbs had in his second go-round. Four years, losing record, but two sort of backdoor, <laughs> you know, eke into the playoffs and 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 competitive seasons. Like I think he's capable of that. Now, maybe he produces more, more likely than not he won't, not in this organization, but I would be thrilled with that at that point. That's that's so far from like championship aspirations and like real good sustained success kind of uh, you know aspirations cuz I don't have those anymore. I- I'm hoping for Joe Gibbs 2004 to 2007 with Ron Rivera. Let's have a couple of nine and sevens, a ten and six, get to the playoffs, win a game. Joe won the last time this organization won a playoff game. It was Joe. 
in Tampa in 2005. How much better would that be than what we've been suffering through here recently? Of course it would. Of course it would be better. And, and, but, again, that, that wouldn't be the momentum that you need, I think, to uh, turn around the fan base. People would come, but not, not the real turnaround situation. And we talked about this on Friday, and I wrote about it in the Washington Times uh, on Monday, that uh, the only way to break the Snyder virus, I think, for Ron Rivera, is the Joe Torre model with George Steinbrenner. You said this to to me. Woo! I said this morning on the radio, I said, who was I talking to recently that said, (laughs) I swear to God, who said, he's got to win quickly. He's got to win quickly. And I'm so sorry. I forgot that it was you. Well, you know, if you read my (laughs) column, you'd probably know that, for crying out loud, where I pointed out that, you know, Corey became so successful so quickly that Steinbrenner was okay with it for a while. But then he, you know, the, the downside was he got tired of not getting any credit for it. Right. But by then, Joe was so powerful that Steinbrenner couldn't do anything about it. He had to shut up. He literally had to stay away. And I, actually, I talked to Buster Olney and Bill Madden, who both, baseball writers who both covered George during that time, and they said that they thought the comparison was pretty good, that that's exactly what happened in New York, in that the only reason that Steinbrenner, the Yankees didn't make the playoffs from 81 to 96 yeah. uh, because of Steinbrenner for the most part. And when Joe won two World Series in three years, that there was nothing George could do, even if he wanted to. I mean, because Joe had become, you know, adored, revered. And Rivera has a charisma about him where he's he's very he's pretty likable you know and 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 that comes into play as well i pointed out that you know shanahan wasn't a likable guy Mm. marty was was not unlikable but he wasn't particularly warm or likable rivera is i mean people people were fawning over him in that press conference that we talked about that wasn't any where we didn't hear anything different than we heard before from other from other coaching candidates but because Rivera said it, I compared it to that scene in Josie Wales where uh, the Indian Ten Bear says to Josie Wales, your words have steel in them. You know, that's what Rivera is like. I, and so, I agree I mean, with you. He has, the, he has the charisma, if the results are there, to become very popular. I don't, Extremely popular. I guess I agree with you that he's very likable. I don't know how much charisma he has, but he is definitely a guy that relates well to younger players in and in a in a in an accountability way. Like you know, you, you don't want guys that are looking for Jay Gruden's. You know, you're not. You're never going to win big if your players are satisfied not being coached or having it be, you know, real easy and being able to sort of dictate when they practice hard and when when they don't. And you don't know that until you've actually played for a hard ass and and had success. And then you're like, oh, he's actually made me better as a as a player, as a person. And this is how you do things. You know, this is how you actually achieve and win. There's a work ethic. There's a, there's a way to do it, but you know, it's not unusual for, for people young or old to try to take the path of least resistance, which is like a Jay Gruden type of coach. So I do like that. He is a tough guy and still the players really like him. And they end up yes. growing to like them more and more and more as they're with them more and more and more. You know, you say that about Marty, but and I pointed this out today on, on the radio show. LeVar Arrington really was one of the more talented players over the last 20 years to wear a Redskin uniform. He was gifted, man. He had incredible athletic ability, talented. One, one of the most physically gifted players I've ever seen. No doubt. And that year with Marty... I've said this before, but I'm convinced of it. I think LeVar Arrington, had Marty Schottenheimer coached him for his entire career, he would have been a great player and an all-time great Redskin. And unfortunately, it didn't happen, and he didn't have good coaching here and didn't you know, ultimately you know, get it together and had injuries and the whole thing. But I bet you even LeVar Arrington would tell you that if Marty Schottenheimer had coached him, 
for his entire career. Because that year, at the end of that year, man, LeVar, he was all over the place. He was in coverage dominating. He was pressuring dominating. Um, He was, that was the best I saw of him. And he had more sacks with Marvin Lewis. You know, when Marvin Lewis came in here as Spurrier's defensive coordinator. But the Marty year, I think I think if Marty had stayed, it would have turned him into it. And I think a guy like Marty, even though he's salty and perhaps, you know, not the easiest guy in the world to get along with, you know, always sort of commanded the room and demanded the respect of the players too. But I think but I think you're right. Rivera's more ta- likable. I'm, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the fans as much in this case. Yeah, I think and he'll be likable fa- if he wins. The fan base – I mean, and and when if he wins big, quickly, he'll be more than likable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he'll be he'll be he'll be put on a pedestal. Yeah, he'll be God. You know, and 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 and, and Snyder will will be powerless. Although I might want to point out that didn't stop Jerry Jones from forcing Jimmy Johnson out after a couple of Super Bowls when Jerry was pissed off because he wasn't getting any credit. Yeah. For the Cowboy success. <clears throat> so uh, and Jerry is is. Snyder's role model. Breaking news. The Giants have hired uh, their new head coach, according to Adam Schefter. Um, He is Joe Judge, special teams coordinator, wide receivers coach in New England for Belichick. He's been with Belichick since 2012. Started as a special teams assistant, special teams coordinator, and has been the special teams coordinator and wide receivers coach um, for the last couple of years. What were you going to say, Aaron? There's another addition to that. What? Ian Rappaport just tweeted, One note on the Giants. Matt Rule called them before signing a six-year deal with the Panthers and gave them the opportunity to match and lure them to get on the plane. They declined and hired Joe Judge instead. Wow. Okay, so Matt Rule signs with Carolina, but Matt Rule wanted the Giant job, (laughs) basically, (laughs) according to to Rappaport. Um, So that means only the Browns. and That's it. The Browns have to make a hire, and everybody's got their guys. Assuming there's McCarthy to Dallas, Rivera to Washington, Judge to to, to New York, uh, Rule to Carolina, and then uh, Cleveland's still out there, unless somebody else gets fired, which at this point, Marone looks like he's staying in Jacksonville, right? It looks like Marone. Yeah, he does. I I, I thought if Houston lost, maybe O'Brien would get the axe, but they won, so. Yeah, and you, you know what we didn't talk about? my favorite team, as somebody said this morning on radio, that the Vikings were actually considering getting rid of Mike Zimmer had they lost that game on on Saturday, on Sunday uh, in New Orleans. He's a damn good coach. Conservative as hell, but a damn good coach. Um, yeah, and I think, I think I read that if they did, the Cowboys were ready to jump on him. The Cowboys, I think, would have hired Zimmer. Yeah, I think the Cowboys were yeah. really rooting for New Orleans to win that game. Uh, let me do a quick read for mybookie.ag. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl's quickly approaching. Uh, we've seen just what you know teams are capable of this season. Now it's time to get in your last bets before the big game. The reigning champion Patriots have been knocked out. Who's going to step up in the AFC? Will the Ravens get it done? Chiefs, Texans, Titans. I like the Titans a little bit. Head over to mybookie.ag to make those predictions that you have a, a reality. And I've talked about this uh, many times. Uh, mybookie.ag is reliable. They allow you to bet any way you want to bet. And right now, if you join MyBookie, they'll match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 to play with. Uh, all you got to do is all you got to do is use my promo code Kevin DC to activate the offer. That's Kevin DC at mybookie.ag. All right, Tommy, before you go cuz I know you've got to run. Um, I wanted Yeah, to... they're wa- they're wait they're waiting for me at the pool. So, okay. I have got to yeah. go. So, I wanted to read um, this tw- uh, another tweet that I got because it really it made me laugh out loud but because I think the guy was spot on as it, as it relates to how I was yesterday. So, it came from Zach and he said, Kevin, why didn't you gloat more yesterday about Kirk's big moment? You seemed hesitant to take a victory lap like you know what's coming next. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And then he put three winking emojis next to it. It made me laugh out loud because on radio yesterday, I really was a little bit I, you know, of course, the people that can't stand Kirk think I'm insufferable talking about Kirk. The people that really like Kirk, you know, are like, God, you didn't go off enough. Like, this was the moment, you know? <laughs> but Zach was definitely perceptive because I felt this way yesterday. I was like, I, I felt like I do know what could be coming on Saturday. 
I was glad he played well, Tommy. I was thrilled for him that he's that his team won the game the way they won it with with him engineering, you know, an absolute fabulous drive in overtime. And I mentioned this yesterday, but you know, a lot of people thought, "Oh my god." And this is the false narrative, right? That's that's been about Kirk his whole career is you know, and it, it sort of manifest manifested itself on Sunday with that's the first time he's ever done that at the end of a game. No, it's actually his 14th career fourth quarter or overtime game-winning drive. 14. Um, not not his first. Um, but anyway, uh, Zach was right. I was happy for him. I recognized it to be his career moment to date. But I was hesitant to gloat too much because I know that Saturday against the Niners, he could go out and play poorly against a really good team and a really good defensive team. Or, Tommy, he could play great, but his team loses the game, and he's right back to where he was before Sunday with people creating false narratives about his career, saying he never plays well with the game on the line, he can't do this, he can't do that, uh, except except now they'll have to say, except for that one time, remember, in the playoffs yeah. against New Orleans. It won't be accurate, but it won't matter because his critics will take it and run with it. So, yeah, I, I think that's what was in my mind yesterday because I know this argument that you've seen, you've followed – all the people that take me on on Kirk, all the people that are back me, and all the people that 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 come at me, it's it's been a fun back and forth thing. But it's like one week they're right, the next week I'm right. So I got to be careful. Yeah, and the thing is with the 49ers, not only are they very good, but uh, with a great defense, they've got a coach who knows Kirk Cousins better than anybody. Yeah, no doubt. And Kyle Shanahan. Knows his tendencies, knows knows every knows everything about him. Basically, did everything he could to get him in San Francisco, uh, and and so uh, in Kyle Shanahan. So uh, you know you got to think that comes into play as well. Look, if 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 Kirk does beat the Forty ers though, then you can rent Pennsylvania Avenue and lead the parade. No, it won't be. No, yeah, no, 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 no. You're wrong. You're wrong. If he plays well and wins Saturday against the 49ers, it's still not going to be good enough, Tommy. The goalposts, I think it will. The goalposts will continue to move until they can't move anymore. And they can't move if he gets a team to a Super Bowl. That contract brought with it the expectation of Super Bowl, period. Whether it's fair or not, because he's not an elite quarterback. He's a good quarterback. You know, most people who know, as he says, know. But his contract doesn't match. Uh, his contract doesn't say second weekend to the playoffs. It says Super Bowl, and if he gets there, then that'll be it. Um, but you know, if he doesn't, I think it'll always be yeah, great. Second weekend of the playoffs is good enough for you. Forty ers starting a first time ever quarterback in the playoffs. They'll come up with their own things. Tommy, here's what I've learned about this thing: anything he does short of a Super Bowl. It'll erase, you know, in the moment, you know, sort of these false narratives until the next game, (laughs) until the next game. And then they're right back and he's right back to being the stat stuffing choker that all of his detractors think he is. Yeah. He played well Sunday, though, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And I was happy for him. I'm not as big a, 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 a believer as you are. But uh, I do think he's—I do think he's a good quarterback. And that's what I, I think. I would have—I would have him. I—I I think if the Redskins had him on on their team, uh, they'd be better. I think people will look back on his years with the Redskins when when Kirk is is, is come and gone, and and say, "Wow, the Redskins really had a good quarterback then. Why weren't they better?" If if the Reds if Dan Snyder had had an epiphany in 2013 or 14, and you you had Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins moving forward, the Redskins would have had some successful years the last few years. Yes. There's just no doubt in my mind that that would have been true. But you know that's where you know you you don't you haven't had an uh, an owner with any sort of vision or any sort of talent for identifying talent. Um, and he, he's wanted to be too involved, even if the last 10 years he's been less involved than he was his first 10 years. Um, Kevin, you, you got to give the owner a break. He's still trying to learn the calendar, okay? <laughs> so give him a break. Come um, on. You know what I did think about the Happy Thanksgiving thing? You and I disagree on that. I don't think that it's an indication of his okay. intelligence because he misspoke. Um, 
is just the the notion that that they have out there about how tough the Washington sports media is. You know how the Redskins think that, and they've thought that for years. Oh my God. Can you imagine Happy Thanksgiving in New York? The Daily News and the pictures with you know turkey feathers coming out of his you know head, <laughs> and I, I mean seriously, he would have been annihilated for it in a real sports city. Really. Yes. New York would have torched yes. him. It would have been just yes. unbelievable. That didn't happen here. It, it really didn't well, even come it, close it, to happen. It, happening it, here. It happened. It happened in one place. It happened in one place. Yes. What do you mean? You're talking to that one place where it happened. <laughs> oh yeah, right. It happened. It happened here. No, other people got after him too, for it. Um, no, I, nobody got after him like I. Did. No, you, I nobody called him. I don't want to, Nobody called him stupid for doing it. Like you did. I don't want to. I don't want to get into this again. I don't because, either. Like I said, there are people waiting for me at the pool. But if you again, <laughs> let's do the interview. If you were interviewing somebody, and they walked in in the interview, and they told you Happy Thanksgiving, and never corrected it, uh-huh. you would say, "Who is this moron? And how quickly can I get him out of the room?" I wouldn't say that. My reaction would be, "Whoa, he misspoke, or he's really nervous." Yeah. Yeah. Not- no, I, w- I, I would. I would. Oh, this is. Yeah. This, this might be the. This might be the, the the biggest the biggest bullshit story you've ever told. I swear to God. I know you. No. You would, you no. Would look at him Not at all. Think- I, I, Tommy, I have been telling you for years that this guy's got an anxiety and a phobia over public speaking, and it's why he hasn't been speaking and why he's become a recluse. And I think what we saw last week was an example of that. I think he was dreading going up there, dreading it. And one of the things that he kept saying, one voice, one coach, one voice, the whole thing, is because he doesn't want to have a voice in his own organization, not publicly. I think he, I think he was... I think he was dreading it because he's embarrassed to be seen in public because he knows what people think of him. I think that that has merit. I don't think it's an intelligence thing at all. I don't. You know what? Um, real quickly, because you know I can't get off Kirk and his jock. But the um, if you are someone who believes what Tom believes, what I believe, and what the majority of Redskin fans or what's left of the fan base believes, and that is that these people have essentially ruined something that was so special for all of us. You should be rooting for Cousins because or Kyle. Whichever one wins Saturday, you want them to go to the Super Bowl and win because the two people that they hated the most were Kyle Shanahan and Kirk Cousins. And it, they, Tommy, when he... when he pulled that off Sunday, part of me was really happy for him and part of me was like, those bastards who have run this franchise into the ground, and by the way, have done it in a very unintelligent way uh, to speak to intelligence. I don't think they're bright running the organization, that's for sure. Um, they hated to see that. Tommy, they were chasing people that anybody that would listen at Super Bowls over the years about how smart they were to get rid of Kirk and what a bad teammate he was and how, you know, how greedy he was, the whole thing. They're PR people, they're front office people, and they do not want to see him do well because it, yeah. if him doing well proves them once again wrong on the whole thing. Um, yeah. You got to go, right? Yes, I do, boss. Okay, enjoy the pool. See ya. Okay, we'll talk on Thursday. We'll talk on Thursday. Thanks. Okay, bye. Tommy heading off to the pool. Um, lathered up, sunscreen. Got his cigar, got his book in hand, flip-flops on. Picture him walking to the pool. I'm, I'm picturing uh, Stanley in Tallahassee, but I'm Tom. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stanley in Tallahassee was quite a treat to look at. Um, all right, uh, there was one other thought um, coming out of that New Orleans-Minnesota game that it has nothing to do with Cousins, um, but has something to do with the other starting quarterback. And f- First of all, let me just say this. I think the Saints handled it so much better Sunday than I thought maybe they would. And I don't know if we talked about this yesterday. I don't think we did. But last year was such um, 
such a a baby whining kind of response to the missed call in the NFC Championship game. And I know a lot of you, especially Saints fans, are going to say, imagine if it was your team. I'd probably behave in the same way. But it wasn't my team. And the bottom line is, is that the league completely caved to Sean Payton, you know, and Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints for getting screwed out of a Super Bowl uh, opportunity. Um, and they created this rule that's just been stupid all year long, and hopefully they'll abolish it here in the offseason. But I thought that both Brees and Payton did a good job of not complaining about the missed OPI call on Kyle Rudolph. It was definitely OPI. Doesn't always get called. You know, maybe 50% of the time, 40% of the time, whatever it is. Um, but they didn't complain a lot about it. Now, you know, no lawsuits, no, you know, saying the, the, the fans are, are, are gathering and, and, and they're going to they're gonna put together some sort of big suit against the league for screwing them again. None of that stuff is coming out of New Orleans today. Hopefully they, they learned their lesson a little bit because it really was for the rest of, of NFL fans. It was like, God, shut up already. I mean, enough. You lost a football game. A lot of people have lost in controversial fashion before. So I thought, number one, was just to acknowledge that I thought Peyton and Breeze handled it very well this time. On Breeze, though, you know, the NFL 100 quarterbacks list, Aaron, show with Belichick and Collinsworth, and on that particular show, they also had Brady and Favre and Staubach. I watched it over... Uh, one of those days, you know, that uh, during the holidays, I watched that show. God, it was good on the quarterbacks, um, and you know, it, it it was it was they ended up naming ten quarterbacks to the team. The show was so good, um, and the the quarterback show. I ended up watching three or four of the shows. Um, I saw the the DBs show. I saw the running back show. That was great. Got more to watch, but. Um, they named their all-time quarterbacks to the NFL 100 team. Montana, Brady, Unitas, Otto Graham, Sammy Baugh, John Elway, Peyton Manning, Roger Staubach, Brett Favre, and Dan Marino. Um, all of my guys um, that, that I think are sort of the elites of all time. Uh, you know, My list, basically, top five is Brady, Elway, Manning, Marino, Montana. That would be sort of my top five. So all of those guys are on it. Um, I don't know how Brett Favre ended up on the list as an aside. I, Aaron Rodgers should have been on that list before Brett Favre, in my opinion. Steve Young should have been on that list before Brett Favre, in my opinion. But whatever. Uh, uh, remember a couple of weeks back when we were having the conversation after Drew Brees set the touchdown mark on the in the Monday night game against the Colts about you know a lot of people saying is he the goat and I said no he's not the goat you know Brees is you know Brees is a really really good player. Um, Breeze is a lock hall of famer. He's not in the conversation with Brady, Elway, Manning, Marino, Montana. He's much closer to 10 than five, you know, and I don't have a problem with those of you that have him outside your top 10. You know, I've got him somewhere from eight to 10, I think somewhere in that range. You know, I made my list when we had this conversation. I don't know where it is right now and come up with it again. But my point is, is that Drew Breeze is in that next tier or two tiers down from the top. And one of the reasons is, you know, Drew Brees on Sunday, I understand how old he is, and he, st- he can still play, and Brady can still play. But he wasn't very good on Sunday. He wasn't even the second-best quarterback on the field. The backup, Taysom Hill, was the second-best quarterback on the field on Sunday. He was better than Brees. You know, he was. Brees is an all-time great. I'm, I'm, I don't want to knock him, and I don't want to look at just wins and losses, but do you know what his playoff record is? Because this always comes up with quarterbacks, playoff records. Came up with Manning for a lot of years, and I was all over the Manning thing because I thought a lot of those games that Manning lost at home as a one seed were games where he messed up. Uh, Breeze is 8-8 all-time in the playoffs. That's it, 8-8. And he has won one game on the road in the postseason, once. He's got good playoff numbers. He does. But his teams have lost as many games as they have won, and they have been, the Saints, a major playoff disappointment for a decade now. Since they won that Super Bowl in 2009, the Saints have underperformed in the postseason over the last 10 years. It's not debatable. Taysom Hill played better than Breeze on Sunday. Kirk Cousins was obviously much better than Breeze on Sunday in Breeze's home stadium with Breeze's team favored by seven, seven and a half, eight, wherever you got it. Drew Breeze, my point here is what I've always said about Breeze. He's great, but I think some overrate him. 
I think he's a little overrated by some. That's my opinion. But a good job by him and Peyton to not bitch and complain. You know, Sean Payton, just as an aside, a guy who completely messed up that that clock situation with the 10-second runoff. Should have taken the time out there. It was stupid not to. You know, he's been the coach of a team now that has lost five playoff games by six points or less in the last nine years. You know, there's your genius, Sean Payton. Five playoff games by six points or less. That's a lot of close playoff games to lose. You know, when you start losing that many close playoff games, now you can say, oh, the call last year, they were going to win that game in the NFC Championship game. That's true. That is true. Uh, you can say, you know, Kyle Rudolph pushed off, should have won that game. Well, you don't know that if they would have won it. They would have been down three had they called it. Although, actually, it would have been third down again. It would have been third down from the 14. They would have had another shot. Uh, Kirk probably would have checked it down for a five-yard game, <laughs> and they would have kicked the field goal. Uh, but, um, you know, Sean Payton's a good coach, you know. He's not a Hall of Fame coach. He's not. Sean Payton's not going to be a Hall of Fame coach. You you have to have more playoff success, I think, than what Sean Payton's had. Sean Payton is eight and seven, actually. So Breeze played a playoff game without him. Eight and seven as a playoff coach with six five losses by six points or less in the last nine years in the postseason. Do you think he's a Hall of Fame coach? I think he's borderline. I'm not saying it's definitive that he isn't, but it's borderline. His record is 131 and 77 as a head coach. He's got a 630 winning percentage. He's definitely not a Hall of Fame coach right now. I mean, he's I don't still, think he is. you know, he's still relatively young compared to some NFL games. How old is Sean Payton? He's 56 right now. So right. when I say relatively young, he's Ron Rivera's age. Um, so he still has time to add to it. But no, if his you know, if he doesn't win another Super Bowl, he's nowhere near a Hall of Fame coach. I was um I I had a I, I had a run in not a run in. I ran into Sean Payton once. It was at a Super Bowl down in South Florida. Tommy and I had a great time at this particular Super Bowl. I think it was this one. It may have been a different one. And one of the nights that week, um, I met uh Scott and a couple of people. We went out to dinner. And Sean Payton, I, I went into the to the men's room, and Sean Payton was sitting there, and I said, "Hey, coach, how you doing?" He said, "Hey, how are you doing? Uh, who who are you?" And I introduced myself, and we had like, as as we're sitting there in front of the urinals, we had like a two minute conversation, you know, as we went to the to wash up. But he couldn't have been a nicer guy. I remember thinking to myself, maybe he's you know had a few pops, probably, um, but couldn't have been nicer in that moment. And I remember somebody telling me he's one of these guys that is real engaging and always curious about you and always asking about you. I like people like that. Um, I need to be more like that. Uh, All right. Uh, You said there's more breaking news as we're sitting here doing this podcast? Not breaking news, just little details here and there coming out. First of all, it looks like Matt Rule is getting seven years, 60 million from the Panthers. What? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, over eight million bucks a year yes. for Matt Rule. Yes, where would that put him? I mean, Gruden's one right now, right? Belichick does Belichick make eight million bucks a year? I got to look up the coaching salaries here. That's unbelievable. Do you have a list of of the coaching salaries? Uh, yeah. I mean, this. I'm not sure how much this includes bonuses, that sort of thing, but it does have Belichick as the highest paid at 12.5. It has Pete Carroll at number two at 11, has John Gruden at 10, and then Sean Payton, 9 million. So this would put uh, Matt Rule as the fifth highest paid coach in the NFL. God, I didn't realize Belichick made that much money. I thought John Gruden was the highest paid coach in the league. Interesting. I mean, John Gruden Um, had the highest contract, the 10 years. Ten million a year, the hundred million. Didn't Matt Rule say last week he was going to stay at Baylor? I'm, I'm, I'm not holding him to that. You know, they, they all say that when it looks like they might not be a lock for an NFL job. Um, he did such a great job at Baylor. He did a really good job at Temple when he was there. You know that. Te- yes. Some of his Temple teams were really, um, pretty decent. So, all right. There, there, there's another thing to add to it, and, and it goes back to what we started with the Jason Garrett news. Apparently, there is truth to the Giants wanting to talk to Jason Garrett. As an offensive coordinator, yeah, that's why I said initially as a head coach. Um, so Joe Judge, who's the special teams guy, wide receivers coach in New England, may be looking for an OC and a DC. So uh, 
I still don't know if that would make people happy to see Jason Garrett Probably as not. coordinator. But. Probably not. Uh, might not make Jerry Jones happy either because Jerry Jones really seriously likes Jason Garrett. All right, uh, last thing, and we'll get out of here uh, for the day. Maryland plays Ohio State tonight, uh, Aaron. I'm going to the game. Are you going to the game or not? I won't be. It's a 7 o'clock game. I won't <clears> be right. able to get you're, there in time. you got to work. Um, so I was listening to Turgeon uh, last night in his uh, press conference follow, after practice previewing the Ohio State game, and he was talking about Caleb Wesson, the 6'9", 275-pound power forward who really is a good player I've been a he's been he's one of these guys that you can't miss him he's that big uh you know he's lost weight according to I've watched him a little bit this year but Turgeon was saying that he's really slimmed down and he's he's quicker and more mobile he's one of these guys that I think you know is being projected late first round maybe second round he's a junior right now but uh he said as he was talking about Caleb Wesson he said Caleb Wesson gives Ohio State a chance to win the national championship. And I think he's right about that. Ohio State struggles to score. They're really good defensively. But that dude is a difference maker. Now, he's not a guard. You know, he's not shooting threes, although he can stretch the floor. As a 6'9", 270-pound guy, you'll see it tonight if you're watching. He can shoot the three, definitely. Um, But he is one of those guys that I think, you know, Ohio State, decent talent around him, too could ride to you know a deep run in March. For Maryland, real quickly, um, Terp fans that are listening, um, I, I think these are games you have to have. And tonight's going to be a tough one because Ohio State's lost two games in a row. They're going to be in here desperate to stop their losing skid. They lost uh, to West Virginia, and then they lost to Wisconsin. After beating Kentucky, they've also beaten Villanova this year, beaten North Carolina. That's not saying much this year. North Carolina is really struggling. Um, but uh, but you got to win these games at home in a Big Ten season that's 20 games. You know, you're playing 20 in the, in the Big Ten this year. You need to finish in the top two or three in the Big Ten because what you don't want to get yourself into, uh, into come March is when the brackets revealed, you got a five next to your name or a four next to your name. You got to have a two next to your name. No worse than a three next to your name this year. You got enough talent to be that. And the regular season's really important. That's why last year I was really upset when they sold that game or moved that game with Illinois to the Garden and they ended up losing it. Like that could could have been the difference in a seed line. You know, and, and matchups are everything, and you can get a bad matchup as a two seed against a seven. It could be the, the wrong type of team for you. But more likely than not, you know, if you're a one or a two seed, you got a pretty good chance to make it to the Sweet 16. And that's where he's got to be. And that's where Maryland's got to be this year. And and the non-conference schedule they played and the way they played it definitely made it so these games are even more important. You know? Do you know where their non-conference, do you know where their schedule ranks right now? I don't know. It's top 10 in the country, uh, strength of it's, schedule, I it, believe. It's strength of schedule, yes, but when <laughs> it comes down to those, you know, the quad one wins, the great wins, they don't have, uh, I guess the Marquette win, I think, is going to end up being quad one because that was on the neutral floor. But they lost, you know, at Seton Hall, and while it wasn't non-conference, they lost at Penn State, which would have been a chance to get it. They're running at, basically, they're running out of chances to get really good wins on the schedule. They'll, they'll have plenty of chance. You know, they play Ohio State twice. Uh, Iowa's right now a pretty good team, Michigan, of course, and Michigan State. But you need to get these chances for big wins because you didn't, other than Marquette, get a big win in the non-conference. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I'm right about the schedule strength um, that I just said. I, I was taking their word for it because somebody out there told me um, that they had a, a top 10 strength of schedule, and maybe they did and maybe they don't uh, now. I, I think it's you – know, you know what it is? I think they were extrapolating the full schedule, and as of now it looks like they will have the number eight schedule in the gotcha. country. Uh, their non-conference schedule was 50th, which is still pretty decent, but didn't have that big – you know, marquee win you want. Yeah, I mean, you would really like, you know, teams like Temple and Marquette to do really well. Temple in their league, and they're a decent team. Marquette in their league, and even Notre Dame, who lost a bunch of players, but they actually won the other day, I think, at Syracuse. They've won a couple of games in a row. Notre Dame to do a little bit better in the ACC. Um, 
because Maryland destroyed them. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're now into the you're now into this Big Ten stretch. You know, you beat Indiana on Saturday; it was a good win. Um, you've got Ohio State tonight, and you got to go to Iowa on Friday night before going to Wisconsin next week. It is not easy. The Big Ten's deep. It's not. I don't know if it has a national championship team. Although Michigan State's starting to round into form, I think Ohio State's very talented. Um, I think Maryland's talented. <clears throat> you, it's one of those things, Aaron, where right now, like a game like tonight, may be one of those games that is the difference at the end of the year of finishing sixteen and four or fifteen and five in the league versus thirteen and seven or 14 and six somewhere in there and that's the difference between potentially being a two or three seed versus a four or five seed you know this is one you got to get and it's not going to be easy Maryland's a two and a half point favorite tonight but Ohio State as I mentioned they've lost two in a row they lost to Huggins in West Virginia on a neutral floor uh love that Huggins team this year I'm uh, I know Maryland fans hate everything about West Virginia. I love Huggins as a coach. I love their style of play. I love those those teams that are that get after you with three star guys defensively. You know he presses still, plays that one three one. I like that te- that team this year, Huggins team, and they they beat Ohio State neutral floor uh, a week and a half ago. But I don't know. I, I I'm hopeful about tonight. Uh, I think I think Wesson's going to be a load for Sticks to match up against. You talk about two of the better bigs in the league, but totally different types of bigs. You know, Sticks is 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 a definite you know force as a rim protector, as a shot blocker, but not necessarily anything else. He doesn't have a great low post game. I'd like to see him keep you know picking and popping out front with. Uh, with Cowan, I love that that little pick and pop they've got. Sticks can shoot it, man. He should have the green light to shoot it every every time he's open there. Do you think they win tonight? No, but that's just my Maryland kind of defeatist fan in me. Uh, I, I am. I'm surprised by how much they're favored by. I'll be honest. Really, might, I thought it might be a little bit more. No, I, at home, it's it, the models actually. I think have Ohio State as the favorite, so that's a little interesting to me. Um, Ken Palm's got Ohio State. Yeah, based on the Kempom numbers, this game should actually be a pick 'em with Maryland, Maryland at home. Yeah, and Maryland's favored by two and a half. I actually was expecting a three, three and a half, and saw it at two, went up to two and a half. Uh, I don't know. I, they're at home tonight. The crowd's going to be a problem tonight. Seven o'clock start in snow. That's a bad combination. Hopefully, the students get there and they get there early. Because Maryland the crowd was really, pretty good over the weekend. I, I heard the Indiana crowd was excellent. Yes, you know, for the students not being there, they're, yeah. they're not they're not back in school. Maryland's got a very long winter break. They had that when I was there. Um, they uh, they had a really good crowd out there. I would expect a decent crowd, but again, the traffic with the snow this afternoon is going to be a mother. You know what? Luckily, everybody's getting off early, so hopefully, traffic shouldn't be too bad. Schools and federal government getting out oh, early. That's good news. Yeah. Send everybody home. All right. Uh, thanks to Tommy for calling in. Thanks to Aaron. Thanks to all of you. Back tomorrow.